Where are you now? We're uh, we're actually in an Airbnb right now. In San Francisco, though? In San Francisco. So we're like technically back, but we're also still living out of a suitcase. So it's like not that fun. <laughs> well, let's get out of that suitcase and into the show. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Welcome to episode 333 of the Design Details Podcast. I'm Brian Levin. And I'm Marshall Bach. Welcome back for another episode. Brian, my traveling boy is done traveling. <laughs> the travels have ended. I am returned once again to the motherland that is San Francisco. Welcome back, my friend. Thank you. I'm looking forward to hanging out. Yeah. But in the meantime, we got an episode to do here. Yeah. And uh, we had a big one last week because we crossed 128 patrons, but we got some new supporters this week as well. So let's kick off with some shout outs. Huge shout out to Lucas Papantonio. We guess that's the correct pronunciation. And if so, it's awesome. We spent minutes debating the pronunciation of your last name. If it's wrong, I apologize. But we tried. We really did. So yeah. thanks, Lucas. Lucas Papantonio, uh, Wan Jung Hung, Ryan Koble, Billy Purdy, and Michael Fitzgerald. Thank you all Thank you. so much for supporting the show. If you don't know, we're a listener-supported show, and for just a buck a month, you can support us on Patreon. It gets you access to a private RSS feed that has no ads and uh, access to bonus land, bonus land, bonus land, bonus which are secret episodes that we're releasing monthly. We're just a tiny bit behind. Y'all, I've just been traveling. It's been really hard to schedule, but we will catch up. So bonus land coming soon. But anyways, yeah, if you want to support the show, that's at patreon.com slash design details. So thank you to all of our new patrons this week, our very important pixels. It's so nice. Yes, thank you so much. We're also supported this week by Sisu. Sisu is looking for a thoughtful and data savvy designer to help them build the next generation of analytics software. You can find out more at sisu.ai. That's S-I-S-U dot A-I. We're also supported on Patreon by Pathrise. Pathrise is an online mentorship program that helps you land a great UX job. Previous fellows have been placed at Google, IBM, Atlassian, and other exciting companies. You can learn more at pathrise.com slash details. Okay, follow up. So we got a very interesting and, and very reasonable Twitter DM from Walter Camaro. Walter said, uh, should we all just hate XD for some reason? Because <laughs> all of the examples that are in the podcast are from Figma and Sketch, and I just really love XD. Am I missing something? Fair question. Fair question, Walter. Yeah, uh, I, I don't hate XD. I've never really used it all that much, but my, my realm of experience uh, spans from Sketch to Figma. Also Photoshop. I'm not sure how close XD is to Photoshop, but I'm guessing it's closer to Sketch and Figma than it is Photoshop. I think it's way more geared towards UI design than Photoshop is. Yeah, yeah. The majority of people that I'm aware of, and you know, just in my bubble, but the majority of people I'm aware of use Figma or Sketch. So uh, those are the ones we talk about, but that's not to say that XD isn't used by anyone or that anyone hates it. It's just... Uh, I don't know about it. Maybe I should learn about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even know that it's a popularity thing. It's just like that's what we have experience using. It would be we'd be bullshitting our way through it if we had to talk about like the pros and cons of other design tools, which, you know, I think, Marshall, you've played with lots of other tools. I've tinkered here and there. But at some point, there's like so many and the switching cost is pretty high. Like it's impossible to learn everything. So you kind of just hone in on one or two and 
yeah, Figma and Sketch are good options that we've just happened to hone in on, or at least that's what our teams use. We're kind of along for the ride, you know? Yeah, it's it's been driven by my work, but mostly it's like, those are the applications that have been provided to me by my employer, right? and those are the ones that I use mostly. So, But yeah, maybe this is a, a good opportunity to check out XD and see what's going on over there, because I am unaware. It could be awesome. Who knows? Yeah. Um, okay, we also got a follow-up Twitter DM from Cal Rouston, Rouston about episode 330 in which we gave Twitter tips for designers Mm -hmm. and Cal provided us with basically like the what could go wrong scenario. So uh, this person whose name on Twitter right now is called Bruise Almighty, they tweeted this. I had to get a background check for my job and it turns out that the report is a 300 plus page Uh, PDF of every single tweet I've ever liked with the word fuck in it. Enjoy your dystopian BS. And this person went on to tweet uh, a bunch of photos of this background report. And apparently there's this company called, I don't even want to name the company. It's a piece of shit company that shouldn't be doing this. But what they do is they can go through your entire Twitter timeline, look at everything you've ever said or liked, or I suppose from anyone you follow as well. And they'll flag it for things like bad language, references alcohol, references drugs. And you look through some of these photos and it's like, it's kind of like what a fourth grader would think of as being profane. It's like, <laughs> like a tweet that had the word dick in it is what I'm looking at right now. It's like, okay, like, really? This isn't a job background search? I don't know. <sighs> this is the problem. I mean, this is going to be, there's going to be a whole generation where this is going to be an issue. Like your, your online presence is going to come back to haunt you for all the stupid shit that you did on Facebook when you were in your teens, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I still recommend designers get on Twitter, but just know that I, there are services out there that do this kind of crap. So, you know. Yeah, it's not right, but it's it's a thing. Okay. Should we get into some tweets? Yeah, let's do some tweets. Okay, so this, this first one comes from Big Al, parentheses, it's in Rebecca Martin, <laughs> close print. So... Allison Rebecca Mark. Allison cool. Rebecca, yeah. The big Al. AKA Big Al. What's up? <laughs> What's up, Allison? Uh, she says, Thank you, Design Details, for keeping me company while I work. I learn a ton from your podcast. This makes me very happy, the idea that people listen to us while they work, because I listen to podcasts while I work, and it's cool to be in, in that group for, for other people, you know? I, you know, I can't understand how it's possible to work and listen to other people talk. Especially us. <laughs> well, yeah, especially us. But I think it's because I, I self-narrate while I'm designing. I don't know if you do this. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, if I hear voices, it fucks up my internal narration which actually it makes it hard for me to listen to music with lyrics unless it's music with lyrics that i've heard a million times like i could listen to like an awesome wave by alt j or like a couple rap albums and the lyrics don't bother me but if it's new music that has lyrics it pulls me away from my narration of what i'm doing on the screen hmm yeah i guess i mean there have been times that i've become distracted but for the most part, yeah, I can listen to audiobooks. I can listen to podcasts while I work. It's not a big deal. But I do, I do narrate. I do have a running narration in my head going of like, okay, I'm going to do this. And oh, what about that thing over there? Well, let's try it this way. You know. Do, do you retain what you're listening to then? Because it feels like that's two input sources while also doing output. It feels like the wires would get crossed for me and I wouldn't mm. remember any of it. Well, I think it's because that narrative is happening without words in my head. It's it's more instantaneous thought of, I'm not actually saying to myself, 
I should move this over there and see what these look like flipped. It's just an instantaneous thought of like flip them, right? So I don't know. I think it's it's a sublingual thing that's happening. Interesting. Yeah, I think you and I might be a little different than in this case. I think I actually say, let's say I'm designing something exploratory. I'll narrate in my head like, what would be questions that people might pose about this? Like, where is this going to break? I'll ask myself these questions, and then as I do that, I'll I'll duplicate the artboard and say, okay, let's say somebody asked this question. Like, how does this work um, in this specific scenario? And I'll I'll mock that up really quickly, and then okay, well, what happens if this part breaks? You know, yeah. uh, so I kind of narrate my way through edge cases and things like that. Yeah, I mean, and it does happen periodically. Like, I'll, I'll realize that I've tuned out the last couple minutes. Like, wait, wait, what happens? Wait, wait, why are we here in this scene? Like, I, how do we get here? And I'll have to rewind. But for the most part, I can I can do both. It's But writing an email, no, no fucking way, right? Can't do words in and out at the same time. Got it. Okay, that makes, that makes more sense, yeah. Yeah. Anyways... Uh, thanks, Allison, for listening. I'm glad it keeps you company. All right. Uh, we have another tweet from Christian, Krishan, Christian, who says, I think I know why people might be tweeting more recently. You advised in one of your episodes to not just scroll through Twitter and read, but to take part and engage. Most usable advice I've received recently, and it looks like others agree. We did this to ourselves, Brian. Yeah. Well, that was... I don't know, because that was episode 330 when we did the Twitter tips. Or no, maybe... Oh, shit. That was the 2020 resolutions, because that was one of my oh, yeah, yeah, points. Yeah. Is like, I'm too I'm too hooked on Twitter. Uh, so what I want to be doing is, yeah, if I open the app, like, try and reply. Try and say something, or... I think likes are too cheap, so I think it really does come down to replying and, like, saying something to somebody. And I've been trying to be better about it, but maybe, yeah. If other people are doing it, too, and they happen to be tweeting at us, that's pretty cool. Nice. Okay, so the next tweet comes from Mukul Agrawal. He says, In episode 331, you mentioned you give access to the source file to engineers for spec handoff. How do you specify constraints in your sketch file so that the design works on different screen sizes without redlining? Good question. I think the easy answer to this is I do three sets of mocks, typically. I'll do phone, tablet, and desktop. And between those, the resizing that happens only happens within those different chunks. So I only need to define what parts flex, which are usually pretty apparent based on the design, which parts are going to flex. But everything else is keeps the same distance from the screen edge and everything on phones. That's a little bit bigger on tablets, but it doesn't really matter what size the tablet is. It's the same kind of distance and similarly with, with desktop. So... I don't really worry too much about redlining anymore because everything that's an explicit number is usually from the screen edge or from another element, and then everything else is just flex based on the device size. Does that match with what you do? Yeah, I think if I had to do it, I would just do a separate mock when I knew that the design would break at a certain viewport size. So like, if I was designing a responsive website, I'd say, okay, this content area, it's like a grid of three things at a certain width three things horizontally aligned are going to be too tight for its content. So it needs to break to have like maybe two and then one full width or something like that, or just go to three, three in a single column. So I'd just either write that and say like, Hey, when this content width hits a certain amount, we need to break the grid or, or reflow it in some way, or just do a separate mock for that specific point. But 
uh in general i'd probably skew towards just writing it or uh, this certainly seems more relevant to the web so you could probably prototype it with like a flexbox grid of red squares just to demonstrate it um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so i don't know i would probably do something like that i wouldn't I wouldn't spend too much time like trying to redline every possible scenario. Yeah, there's diminishing returns on that for sure. And I mean, I think we're talking about the same thing, right? Like my different devices is they're just media queries essentially, <laughs> right? Of different breakpoints. Hopefully that answers your question, Mukul. Hopefully I'm saying your name correctly, Mukul. Yeah, yeah. We try our best. Uh, just as an aside, we just got a tweet actually like one minute ago from somebody that might be a good follow-up. Hot off the presses. <laughs> Inbound news while we're recording, fresh <laughs> yeah. from the newsroom. Uh, we just got a tweet from Sahil uh, Chaturvedi, and he says, Oh my God, thank you for recommending Parasite that one episode. Watched it last night and can't stop thinking about how good it was. Yeah, man. Parasite's really good. I think the moral of the story is you should just listen to my recommendations and take all of them as the best thing ever because you won't be wrong. You know what? I'm calling bullshit, though, because I think it was my cool thing. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, fine. It was this. <laughs> yeah, well, I right. mean, I think we both got mentioned because we both talked about it and loved it. But Yeah, no, you're right. Sure. <laughs> yeah, you're 100% right. You're the one who infected me with that parasite, and yeah, I've yeah. gone on to infect a bunch of other people. I mean... It is a phenomenal movie. I'm I, I watched it twice back to back on uh, two weekends when it first came out, and so I'm gonna give myself a break. But I'm eager for a rewatch. Anyway, Sahel, glad you enjoyed it as well. Yeah. Okay. Final tweet, and this is a nice segue into some news. But Samuel Bernhardt says, "Congrats on 128 patrons. I have high expectations for some juicy follow up on." Figma's new auto layout constraints during next week's episode. You done did it. All right. You done did it. Should we just segue into uh, some, some news? Let's do it. Yeah, this is a great segue to get into auto layout. So uh, on our previous episode, 332, I talked at length about auto layout and how it didn't respect constraints. I said it was mutually exclusive, and that was the one thing holding it back. And the like, very next day, the day after that episode aired, yeah, the day after the episode aired, FigCon happened. Oh, sorry, Config happened. I keep calling it FigCon, which, by the way, is beautiful wordplay. Like FigCon, Config. Okay, Fig FigCon uh, happened on Thursday, and one of the things that they announced was that they were expanding auto layout to include constraints, or at least the ability to allow horizontal and vertical things to stretch. And I I rejoiced. I even tweeted. I said, I'm so happy right now. This is happening. I can actually do the things I want to do. And then I I waited for the update to happen. The update happened. I jumped in and I tried to do the things that I wanted to do that I couldn't do before. And I still can't do them, Brian. Uh, Do you have a, can you describe specifically what you're trying to do where the constraint doesn't work? Because I feel like for me, it does seem to solve most of the frustrating parts of just not being able to resize something after the fact. But yeah, tell me. It's a big improvement, to be sure. I'm not complaining, just not far enough. So an example, on desktop, on YouTube, there is a lockup where there's a video, a thumbnail up top with a timestamp. And then below that, there's on the left, an avatar. In the middle, there's title, channel name, view count, and date. And then to the right, there's an overflow three dot, right? That has been very difficult for me to build such that the footer uses horizontal auto layout uh, at a macro level. And then with inside it, there's auto layout on the title and the other metadata. And then there's vertical layout from the thumbnail 
to the metadata. Yes. Uh, the problem is that it's it's still the propagation of stuff. So I can set it up so that the text will resize, but it doesn't resize the vertical height of the component so that I, I can't just snap them together like Legos. The text, when it wraps, sticks out the bottom bounds of the component without growing it vertically. Does this make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. So I haven't figured out, like either I get that or it doesn't resize ah. to be mm -hmm. any size, right? Because... It's an aspect ratio, so I can't just resize the width. If you look at the GIF that they shared, it has left to right, but it uses a, a header image that only resizes horizontally. It doesn't resize vertically, and this is where I get caught uh, up is because I yeah. need that top part to resize at an aspect ratio, not just vertically or horizontally. It's got to be both at the same time so that I can have the same lockup work on a 360 or a 320 width phone and a 375 and a 414, you know? Yep, yep. Okay, makes sense. That seems a little bit more complex, but yeah, hopefully hopefully that'll come soon. Like the ability to lock constraints, yeah. I, it, for me, at least it shows that it is being worked on and they're going to ship incrementally. Like this is an incremental ship that is a nice quality of life feature and it tells me there's more coming and they know that some of these problems exist, so... Mm -hmm. Good leading indicator. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not too worried about it staying in any given state for very long. Like it, they do weekly updates, so I'm not. I'm not too worried about it for sure. Uh, I just wanted to mention a little bit about config. Uh, the conference was Thursday. Yeah, you were there, my buddy. I was there in the room, live, tweeting a couple times. Uh, but yeah, I thought it was a good conference. I guess I would recommend it to anybody who didn't get a chance to go this year. I think I tweeted out that it did not feel like their first conference. It felt a little bit. More, a lot more polished and organized and structured than you'd expect from like a first time event but the talks were good the people there like the the energy was just really positive people were just psyched to be there for some reason like i've been to lots of design conferences where people are like so so to be there it's like yeah come hang out maybe maybe meet some people but this one there was like energy it was buzzing people were really just stoked to be there and I find that to be addicting and intoxicating. I, I left super exhausted because I'm quite introverted, but during those few hours, I was like, yeah, let's go talk to everybody, like hang out with people, meet new people. It was fun. Yeah, man. So you'll have to come next time, Marshall. Yeah, I, I'm sad I couldn't be there, especially because you said some listeners came up and talked to you. I thought that was really cool. But one of the things you mentioned is like there's there's energy. I felt at home watching it on the live stream that I almost had the same excitement during that keynote that I have during an Apple keynote, which is not something I say lightly. Wow, dude. Just uh, the during the like demo of the new features. Yeah, it's that it's that like, oh, give me the new shinies. I'm like cheering <laughs> in my house. I mean, people in the room were cheering. It was really bizarre. Yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's it's strange how these things happen. But yeah, that, that is a very small group. I get stoked for IO. I get stoked for Apple events. And now I get stoked for FigCon. Con config. 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 I think the design details canon. We can call it FigCon. Okay. Yeah. New lore. All right. Uh, should we move on to a listener question? Let's do it. All right. This week, we got a question from Kevin Gutowski, who was also at FigCon. Oh, uh, we hung out. Nice. So Kevin, <laughs> Kevin told me that basically he wrote up this huge document of questions that basically felt like things he should be talking to his manager about. So he went and talked to his manager and like got some insights. So that's good. Oh, good. But was still left with this question, which was asked on our GitHub repo at github.com slash specfm. So go there if you have questions. All right, here we go. Kevin asks, what do you think of self-assessments? Do you do them at your current job? How often do you do them? What do they look like? 
What are some of the questions that you answer? Are they part of how you get a raise? What makes a good assessment experience or a bad one? I want to know the deets so I can compare notes. So if I had to condense that, it would be, um, how do self-assess? How me do, though? How me do? <laughs> how self-assess me, please? Yeah, so these are great questions, but it did remind us. So I, before we even jump in, I would say we talked about performance reviews and promotions in episode 279. So that was over a year ago, so it feels worthwhile to revisit. And self-assessment is sort of a subset of the performance review cycle in general. But anyways, 279, Twigby, if you want to go listen to that, it might uh, be some supplemental content here. So yeah, Marshall, maybe we just jump in. Talk to me about self-reviews, self-assessments, what have been your experiences with these, obviously adding the context that you've been at YouTube slash Google for a while and this is a lens into the process. A very narrow lens. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well, the first question is, what do I think of self-assessments? Hot take. I'm the last person you should ask about how I'm doing. Mm. Tell me more. I feel like there are certain things you can't say about yourself, right? You can't say that you're funny. You can't say that you're kind. Those are only things that other people can say about you, right? Uh-huh. And I, and I feel like a self-assessment is something like... I don't know. I, I always think that I'm doing worse than I'm doing. Also, I know that I'm blind to the blind spots that I have. And like, uh-huh. I can only be told those things by other people. So like, uh, is that crazy? Is that too hot of a take, Brian? I think I might disagree with your hot take. That's fair. For me, the self-assessment is permission to basically write a brag document. I think that's kind of a popular thing going around. It's like, here's stuff that I did that I maybe didn't feel comfortable like saying out loud in public or happened outside of work that you might not know about, but is still related to my professional experience or even just here, here, yeah, here's work I did with another team that I didn't really need to loop you in on, but I ended up unblocking some other team and helped them make progress. So I'm going to put that in my self review. That should, I should get credit for that, but it wasn't something that I necessarily needed to bring up in the moment. It's like, Hey, look at me, I'm doing this thing. Hmm. But let's roll that into uh, another part of this question, which was, is this a part of how you get a raise? And that's the point of it being a brag document is to answer your question, yes, I think part of this goes into the performance review cycle, into considerations for leveling up, considerations for raises. And if you don't say all the shit you did, even though it feels like bragging, you're going to be missing any sort of credit that goes towards that you know, upstream conversation amongst managers when they're calibrating for raises. I, I think that's the case. I haven't been a manager. I should disclose this, so I don't actually know, but that's my intuition about the situation. So I can tell you what GitHub's looks like, although I, I'd also kind of couch this in like, it's changing a little bit. I think I haven't, I've only been here a year, but the most recent self-assessment the questions were, what are my accomplishments and contributions over the last six months? What priorities am I going to focus on for the next six months? And finally, what will I do and what do I need to keep learning and growing? So I thought that was a pretty good breakdown. It's like accomplishments and contributions, like brag a little bit and then describe how you're sort of extending beyond your day-to-day -day work to contribute back to either other teams or to the industry or outside of work, I think you could put like contributions would be volunteering and teaching and doing things like that. Uh, priorities that you're going to work on for the next six months. I think it's framed in a way where it's not like, what are you doing bad at? But it's like, where do you see room for improvement? It, same thing, but just worded slightly differently. 
And then, yeah, that last one of what do you need to keep learning and growing, I think is, are there, are there things going on in your life that you're blocked by that we should know about? We being the managers. Um, mm. So, so that's kind of the most recent iteration of this that I've seen at GitHub and at Facebook, it was very similar. How are things going? What do you want to be doing better? What are you doing well? What does the next six months look like for you? And then that will become like the next sort of check-in point. So in six months, we'll look back at what you said last time and Mm -hmm. see how you stacked up. So that feels similar. Like maybe this rubric is really common across most companies, but yeah. Ours happen every six months, I think kind of like you, but getting a promotion, that is a, a specific effort you go through to like build a packet that proves that you are operating at the next level up. And yeah, and those are that's directly tied to your perf. I haven't seen that like idea of a packet for promotion that you've described at Google, but what I have done in the past for promotion cycles or perf cycles is just go ahead and include content that explains why you think you deserve a promotion if you feel like you deserve it. So actually I pulled up a tweet that I sent in June of 2019. I think this was right when I was doing my perf review at GitHub, probably my first one. But I had this framework of, in my self-review, I try to break break it down by, uh, here's the three areas where I had the biggest impact, meeting or exceeding expectations for my current level. So here's how I'm doing good at the role that I've been given. And then the next section was, here's how I think I met expectations for the next level consistently. So here's why I think I deserve a promotion. And then finally, I here's ways that I've struggled or ways that I could have had more impact and what I've learned from them. So that's kind of a a framework that I've had in the past of, you know, just make sure, yeah, I'm doing what I need to be doing at my current level. But just so you know, I'm also operating at the next level in ways A, B, and C. Uh, There's a question here towards the end that says, what makes a good assessment experience or a bad one? I mean, I guess the ideal self-review is one in which you learn a lot about yourself, a lot of actionable feedback that you can, that, that upon honest self-reflection, you realize is all accurate and helps you to be a better craftsperson. Yeah, I would piggyback on that and say like, for me, a, a really good one is when it's like the second cycle, like the every other cycle. So a great self-review would be last time I said I was going to do this, this time I did this. Like mm-hmm. I needed to work on this. I worked on it. Yep. Here's proof. Like checkpoint, checkpoint, checkpoint. Yeah, like that is a really good feeling and it would probably feel bad. It does feel bad if you say, I really wanted to work on this thing. I I promised I was going to document this or like abstract away this part of my process so other people could contribute. And then you get to the end of the half and you're like, oh, didn't make any progress doing that thing. Uh, Shit. Yeah. Let me go ahead and add that onto the next one. (laughs) Roll it over. Roll it over. Well, hopefully this helped answer some of your questions. Uh, sufficient number of deets for you, Kevin. Yeah, but I'd be curious. You know, you and I, we've worked at a cumulative, like, what, six companies, seven? Two for me. Well, places where I've had to write self-reviews would be, I guess, three. So, okay, five total. So we're missing stuff. So, yeah, yeah if you were listening and you've had different experiences with self-reviews at, you know, startups, big companies, agencies, uh, and we missed stuff. Yeah, let us know on Twitter. Tweet at us, correct us, help us fill in the gaps. But otherwise, hopefully, this is uh, a useful piece of the broader puzzle for you, Kev. 
Okay, Marshall, should we wrap up with some cool things? Yeah, let's make this a shorter episode because, good God, we recorded for two hours last episode, uh-huh. and I cut it down to like a, an hour 15, hour t- 17, something like that, uh-huh. and it nearly killed me. So let's keep this one short. Right. Okay. By the way, I'm also recording on battery power, and I have 11% left. So okay. we have a, a physical hardware constraint. <laughs> okay. Right. I'm going to go first this week. I'm going to read you the... A synopsis, okay, of a movie. Hit me. Tell me if you think this sounds good. Okay. What's the best part of being dead? It's the freedom. The freedom to fight the evil which lurks in our world. A group of unnamed individuals have chosen to change the future. The team is brought together by their enigmatic leader, codenamed One, whose sole mission is to ensure that he and his fellow teammates will have their actions remembered. Uh, Is this the number four? No. Okay. I think that's like a Michael Bay movie from back in the day. I, I don't know what you, I don't know what this well, is. Well, you are you're very close because this is a Michael Bay film. Oh, I know, I know what this is. This is this is that Ryan Reynolds Netflix movie. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. So here is my cool thing, which is kind of a joke because I made it about twenty minutes into this movie before I had to turn it off. <laughs> did you watch the whole thing? Marshall? Yeah, I did. I watched it with my parents at Christmas. How did you make it through it? I mean, I just turned my brain off. It's dumb fun. I, well, we paused it a little way in, and I checked, and I saw that it was Michael Bay. I pulled down, and I was like, oh, that explains so much. All right, okay, now I know yeah, the angle yeah. to approach this at. Like, all right, I'm watching a Michael Bay film. Turn off the brain. Enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it, and so I went into it like, oh, I'm going to watch a new like Netflix action film. I, I also missed the Michael Bay uh line on the title or something so i what's I went the into name it. of the movie by the way oh it's called six underground there you go anyways the reason this is my cool thing is because joel khalifa tweeted earlier today or maybe it was yesterday said you know I've, i'm watching six underground and it is an incomprehensible uncohesive mess of a film how did anybody else watch this and basically all the replies were just people saying how far they got into the movie before they had to turn it off wow <laughs> And mine was 20 minutes. I think, wow. I'm, yeah, I made it past like the opening chase and like a little bit into the premise of the film, but I don't know, man. <laughs> it gets real, like the, the final climax, like set piece at the end gets real goofy, but it, it's fun. It was fun, dumb fun. Yeah, I, I pulled up reviews immediately when I turned it off. I'm like, I, I have to know what other people are thinking about this. And the positive reviews said exactly what you said. They said, Go into this with your brain turned off and then just enjoy the action and the car chases and the explosions and you'll have a good time. Mm-hmm. But I think I got messed up because I went in with an expectation of... I'm watching a film. Yeah, I was like, am I, I'm watching like a... I don't know, not that these are necessarily like super highbrow films, but like a James Bond or a Mission Impossible or a Jason Bourne film where it's like, oh, there's maybe going to be like some smart strategy and like twists and turns. Like an Oceans or like an Italian job or something like that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was expecting something more along those lines. Anyways, I don't know. I think that's a cop out. I didn't really have a cool thing, but I was reminded by Joel's tweet. So I, I thought I'd shout this out. Uh, yeah, that's a nice, dumb, fun, cool thing, Brian. Okay. All right, hit me with yours. All right. Uh, my cool thing is a self-serving one this week, and it's something that I think I've brought up before on the show, but it is especially near and dear to my heart because Overwatch League is now on YouTube Gaming, Brian. Ba-ba-da-ba! 
Is that how the is that the opening? Sounds like the beginning of the American Gladiators theme. You remember that oh, shit? I don't know. I'm trying to think. What's the jingle for Overwatch League? It's pretty close to that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's 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 um it's like kind of marvelly a little bit. You know, it's it's lots of brass and strings. Marvelly like Olympics kind of. Like, yeah, Olympics. Yeah. Uh, yeah. patriotic sounding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Overwatch League. Well, Overwatch is a first-person shooter game, six v six competition game. It's an esport, and uh, it's the only esport I really care about fervently. Fortnite, StarCraft, CS:GO, right? League of Legends, Dota, that stuff. Those those things are are fun to watch, but I'm invested in Overwatch League. And it used to be on Twitch the last two or three seasons, however long it is. Anyways, uh, we got the contract this year, and now it's on YouTube. And well, first off, I work on YouTube gaming, so that's cool, and it's it's <laughs> uh-huh. it's my favorite esport game to watch. But the real value here is when you watched Overwatch League on Twitch. There was no DVR. There was no pausing. There was no rewinding. You saw what was live. And if you weren't watching it live, you weren't watching it at all. And that sucked for bathroom breaks and meetings and stuff like that. And now when the live stream goes up, I can basically bring it up and hit pause and then watch it whenever I want to or get to the VOD immediately after the live stream is archived. Nice. Yeah. So when does the next season start? Uh, it started today, my friend. I was oh. I, I watched the first half of uh, Paris versus Toronto right before we started here. And I, and I paused it. Oh, so you have it paused and queued up. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I started watching it like a few hours late, but that's cool because I just rewound to the beginning and started watching it. And I fast forwarded through all the the breaks and, you know, stuff. and, and yeah. like the sports center, like before the game, they're like looking at the teams, uh-huh. that, that type of thing. So I fast forward through all that, got to the game and then I can fast forward or if something cool happened i can rewind to see it again and you know even if they don't show it on a replay i can still see stuff again so yeah nice cool thing you should be proud that's good yeah i I had so much to do with it brian your favorite esport on the thing that you work on that's pretty cool yeah that's super cool i had nothing to do with it but i will i'll be happy for it (laughs) you will enjoy the fruits of the rest of your team's labor (laughs) yeah exactly the the good people's labor yeah okay i'm down to five percent so let's wrap up thank you all for listening we hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, as always, let us know what you thought. Tweet at us, DM us. We like reading those. We will try to reply as much as we can. If we missed anything about self-reviews or if you've had different experiences that we should know about, please let us know about that as well. Thanks, Kevin, uh, for the question on GitHub. If you also have your own question, you can go to github.com slash specfm. We have a repo for design details there. Just open an issue, and that helps us keep track of you know, people's questions and what we need to get around to at some point uh if you've enjoyed the episode you can consider supporting us for just a buck a month you get access to listener only content aka bonus bonus those episodes are going to be coming out monthly we're just a bit behind in january but that's at patreon.com slash design details we have uh just crossed 128 supporters last week so thank you everybody and if you're considering doing it it really means a lot to us just a buck a month and yeah get access to that bonus content otherwise if you want more podcasts for your ears right now go to spec.fm that's our podcast network for designers and developers just like you if you're enjoying the show you can always review us on itunes that tells apple that you are listening and helps apple promote us to other people so hopefully the show can keep growing and uh yeah that's it i hope hope you enjoyed we'll see you next week bye bye brian
You know what I do, Brian? What's that? This is the thing. This is the thing I've started doing is uh, if I'm scrolling through Reddit, I, I'm still a lurker. I don't post or anything, and I and I never comment. But what I'll do is I'll, I'll look at a post, and if I have a comment that I would leave. I go into the thread and I scroll down through the comments until I find somebody who's inevitably said the thing that I want to say already before me, and then I upvote that comment. <laughs> Does that count? Speaking by proxy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You've you've nominated somehow a representative of your ideas yeah. just by chance. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I'm never the first person to think of anything, I'm sure. So like, yes, yeah, sure enough. Every time I go down, like, yep, somebody. And then the the game is how high up is that comment, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How popular is my idea? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the thing I want to say, the first, the top voted comment. Like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. Otherwise, if I have to scroll down away, like, oh, I'm glad I didn't say that, huh? Fun game. Nice. A little <laughs> self-audit based on, well, based on the Reddit, folks. I don't know. 